G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. What does it mean to walk with God? To walk with God means I'm in harmony with Him. God's the lead singer, you're the backup singer. On A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie reminds us that we're actually meant to follow God's leading and not vice versa. We want to be in front. We want God to back us up. That's not the way it works. To walk with God is not saying, God, here's where I'm going. You come with me. To walk with God is to say, Lord, where are you going? And I want to go with you. This is the day when the lost are found. close friend and a friend you used to know. Typically, it's the time you spent with them. If you haven't seen them for decades since the two of you sat together in kindergarten, well, that's probably a friend you used to know. God wants us to have Him as a close friend, not the God that we used to know. And today, on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us to develop a plan for walking more closely with the Lord on a day-by-day basis. Let's learn together how to walk with God in 2020. You know, there's some amazing and somewhat frightening things happening with Iran. Uh, Iran should be of interest to Christians because she is specifically mentioned in Scripture. Not every nation is mentioned in the Bible. For instance, there's no mention of the reigning superpower in the face of the earth in the Bible, the United States of America. However, other nations are mentioned, like Israel, very specifically. I think you can make a pretty good case for uh, a mention in Scripture of the great nation of China, maybe even Russia. But without question, Iran is specifically mentioned over in Ezekiel 38.5. So why should we care about this? Because the Bible tells us in the last days, go over to Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39, a large force from the north of Israel will attack her. And many scholars believe, and I would include myself among them, I don't think I'm a scholar, but I would agree with their assessment, that Magog and Rosh in particular may be referring to Russia. But here's what I do know. One of the allies that marches with Rosh against Israel is none other than Persia, which is modern-day Iran. By the way, Iran has only had that name since 1935. Up to that point, for centuries, she has been Persia. Iran has long stated her primary objective, which is to drive Israel into the sea, to wipe Israel off the face of the map. Here's why it interests me, because in my understanding of Bible prophecy, I believe that the rapture of the church will happen right before or right after the attack of Magog and Rosh on Israel. So if I see any hostility toward Israel, I pay extra careful attention. What is the rapture of the church? 
It's the moment when we're caught up to meet the Lord in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and we're reunited with loved ones that have preceded us to heaven. Some would push back and say you can't find the word rapture in the Bible, right? But for that matter you can't find the word Bible in the Bible and you can't find the word Trinity in the Bible. So there is the Trinity presented in Scripture, obviously, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the teaching of the rapture, which comes from a Greek word, uh, harpazo, is found many times uh, in the Bible, that event where the Lord calls us up to heaven. Well, I bring this up because I want to look at a man that experienced what we might describe as a solo rapture. He was caught up to meet the Lord in heaven all by himself. And his name was Enoch. And Enoch is a fascinating character whose story is found in Hebrews 11 and also in the book of Genesis. Uh, here in Hebrews 11 we read these words about him starting in verse 5. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. But before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. So Enoch was taken, meaning he was taking a walk with the Lord and he was caught up to glory. Maybe the Lord said, hey buddy, we're closer to my house than yours. Why don't you come home with me? And he did. And he's also mentioned over in Genesis 5, Verses 21 to 24, which says, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters, and all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Now understand this. Enoch lived in what we might describe as the last days. Now his last days were the days before the great flood. We too are living in the last days, but we're not waiting for another flood because God will never judge the earth again with water. But he does say he'll judge the earth the next time with fire. So he was a last days believer in that sense. And it was a time before God's judgment on earth. Mankind was so wicked that God said of them in Genesis 6, 6, I'm sorry I even made him because his thoughts and intents of his heart are continually wicked. And uh, so here's Enoch living a godly life in an ungodly time. And I, I don't want you to miss this, that the same spiritual resources that Enoch had, you have. In fact, I even, even say you have more. Because in the old covenant, they did not have Christ living in them. Christ did not yet come and died for the sin of the world. But the believer in the new covenant uh, does have Jesus living inside of them and the Holy Spirit empowering them. So how did Enoch do it? Here's my primary point for this message. Enoch walked with God. You know, it doesn't say Enoch sprinted with God. <laughs> you know, many believers have their burst of energy for a few moments and then they collapse in a heat. That's why we need to learn how to walk with God. To walk is something that, that speaks of making progress. You know, you're, you're moving somewhere. It's not as dramatic as running, but you are moving in a certain direction. It means you're making progress. And I think as he lived a long life, 365 years, at the 150 year mark, he had made some progress, but he realized that he had a long ways to go. You know, this phrase, walking with God, is used many times in the New Testament. 
First John 1 7 says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Then first John 2 6 says, he that says he abides in him ought to walk as he walked. Then Colossians 2 6 says, as you've received Jesus Christ as Lord, so walk in him, built upon him, established in the truth. Galatians 5 reminds us to walk in the Spirit and we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then Romans 13, 13 says, walk properly as in the day don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or sexual promiscuity or immoral living or in quarreling or in jealousy. So we say, okay, I get it. Yeah, I want to do that. But what does it specifically mean to walk with God? Let me sum it up this way. To walk with God means I cooperate with God. To walk with God means I'm in harmony with God. To walk with God means I'm communicating with God, speaking to Him and hearing from Him. You're listening to Pastor Greg Laurie, the Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, USA. And he's launching a brand new study series today to help us to understand what it means when the Bible speaks of walking with God. It's a message called How to Walk with God in 2020. Now here is a key verse in understanding what it means to walk with God. It's found in Amos 3.3. And it simply says this, and it's loaded with meaning. Amos says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? There's important shades of meaning in the original language at healthcare. It means a God and man walking together as a single unit Bringing me to my first point, walking with God means I get in sync with Him. I've told you this story before, but I only have eight stories, so here we go again. (laughs) I was scuba diving in Hawaii years ago, and I went to a little island off of Maui called Molokini, and I was going to go for a hundred foot dive, a hundred feet down. That's a long ways down. So, uh, I got my tank on and I got my aqua lung and you know all the goodies that you wear when you go diving and we had an instructor with us and and so we have first you have to descend down to around 80 feet and then you cruise around and look at fish and different things and you go back up. Okay so I got down to around 80 or 90 feet and I looked at my cage and I'd used up almost all of my air. Now you can't just go to the top. Again, I have a BC, uh, an inflatable vest. You hit the button and lift it, but you, you can't do that. You could you kill yourself actually. So I went over to my instructor and you learn little signs that you give underwater and I use the universal sign for needing air. And I could actually in the mask, in through the glass of his mask, I saw him roll his eyes like, idiot. And he takes my gauge. I hardly have any air. So he gestures like this. And hanging off of his tank was an octopus. Not a real octopus. But another aqua lung. Another regulator on a short little hose. Which meant I would now breathe his air. So I, I grabbed onto it. Took mine up. Was breathing off of his. But the problem was because the hose was so short. Wherever he went I had to go. <laughs> so he would swim forward. And I had to do these little shallow and, and he would, he'd be, you know, and I'd be kind of above him, just floating, burning up all of his air, you know. But I'll tell you what, I stayed in sync with my instructor underwater for one simple reason. If I did not, I would die. What does it mean to walk with God? It means I'm in cooperation with God. I'm in sync with God. 
to be in rhythm with God, to keep pace with God. You could compare it to singing. I'm very aware of music wherever I am. I listen to music in the elevator. Like I'll say, oh, I, I, I love this song. You're listening to a song in an elevator? I just notice music. If I'm in a restaurant and someone's playing there, I'll be aware of it. And if they're not very good, I'm all very aware of that as well. And, uh, and if someone goes off pitch, I notice it. I notice when harmonies aren't right, it kind of catches my ear. And, and it seems like when people are off pitch, they often sing louder than other people. I don't know why that is, but they sometimes do that. So the idea of being in sync with God is being in harmony with God. I don't know if you've ever heard of Leonard Bernstein. He's a celebrated orchestra conductor. He was once asked the question, what is the hardest instrument to play? His response was interesting. He said, second fiddle. I can always find plenty of first violinists, but to find someone who plays second violin with as much enthusiasm, that's a problem, end quote. Okay, so God is the first violinist, your second fiddle. You see? God's the lead singer. You're the backup singer. God plays lead guitar. You're just rhythm. You know, we want to be in the spotlight. We want to be in front. We want God to back us up. That's not the way it works. To walk with God is not saying, God, here's where I'm going. You come with me. To walk with God is to say, Lord, where are you going? And I want to go with you. Getting in sync with God, walking in communion with God. That is the picture of walking with God. And you could take this word walking and interchange it with the word um, abiding. Because we already read at First John 2, 6, he that says he abides in him ought to walk as he walked. Now abiding is a different picture. It's the idea of planting something. Let's say you planted a, a beautiful tree in your front yard. And it looked great and you're very happy with it for about a week. And you thought, you know, I think it'd be better on my backyard. So you dug it up, took it to your backyard, replanted it. And you really liked it there. And another week went by and you thought, you know, that was a mistake. I should put it back in my front yard again. And you do that again. And then you change your mind ten more times. That tree is going to die. That tree needs to be left alone. It needs to be taken care of. It needs to be watered. And it needs to get its roots deep into the soil. So when we talk about abiding in Jesus, it means we sink our roots deep in His soil. And I'm telling you something, when you understand what it means to abide, you'll start seeing your prayers answered in the affirmative. God answers prayer three ways. Yes, no, and wait. And we say, how do I get my prayers answered in the affirmative? Here's the answer from Christ Himself. He says, if you abide in me, sink your roots deeply in me, and my words abide in you. You can ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now we read that and we say, okay, that sounds awesome. But wait a second. It's predicated on you abiding in Him. Because if you're spending time reading God's Word, and you're spending time praying, it's going to change the things that you want in life. And you're going to find yourself asking for the things that God wants for you rather than the things you merely want for yourself. Pastor Greg Laurie with some great insights on what it means to walk with God. Such good counsel today here on A New Beginning. 
And tomorrow, join Pastor Greg again for more about laying aside the weights that slow us down and walking more closely with God. Some good encouragement as we approach Easter. Tune in for more, same time tomorrow, on A New Beginning. copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called How to Walk with God in 2020. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.